Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. The subject of today's discussion is something I would love to jump. It is some, it's, it's, it's something I would love to avoid because it brings in a lot of controversies. And that is the question of what happened, if anything, between verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. What happened in between those two verses, if anything at all? Now, there, is, there are so much controversies surrounding this that I would have wished to avoid it, but it is impossible for me to avoid this because it is important to answer that question of what happened in between those two verses, if anything, because the answer is relevant to the rest of our story. It's relevant. If I think this is irrelevant, I will jump it. I don't want to enter into controversies just for the sake of controversies, but I don't want to avoid controversies either just for the sake of avoiding if this is important. It is important for us to understand what goes on between those two verses. And that is because it impacts. Even though sometimes people don't understand people don't understand the impact that it does have on the rest of the story of the Bible. It is important we talk about it because of its impact on the rest of the story of the Bible. Now, this period between the verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 is what people have come to call the gap theory. The gap theory. And that is what we want to talk about today. Again, like I said, I would have wished to avoid this. So essentially, a lot of people will want to tell you that there is a gap between verse 1 of Genesis and verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. And the question is, is there really a gap? Does, was there really a separation between verse 1 and 2? And if there's a gap, what is the implication of that gap, particularly to the rest of the story of the Bible? So people have come to call this teaching about this space between verses 1 and 2 of Genesis. People have come to call it the gap theory. That is the common name. But it's also commonly called the ruin reconstruction theory. The ruin reconstruction theory is because of what this theory is all about. So what is gap? What is the gap theory? And why is this so important for me to talk about it tonight? Again, remember what I said, I would have wished to avoid it, but it is important for me to talk about it. And that is why I'm going to spend this time to talk about it. So what is the gap theory? Okay, and why is this so important? But let me start by saying this, and I'm going to just read this out. The gap theory was first proposed in the 18th century as an attempt to harmonize a literal reading of the Bible with the new evidence from geology regarding the great age of the earth. And now this is, this is very, very important for us to understand. The 18th century is when geologists started believing in the long age of the earth. That is when they believe in the long age of the heart become popular. Before then, 
the the church never never talk about this gap theory okay the church knew nothing of this ruin reconstruction gap theory or this pre-adamic world between genesis chapter one and genesis chapter two now this is very important for us to understand that that is the origin of this gap theory and we call it ruin reconstruction and you will understand what that means in a second so what happened in the 18th century and that was when science and geology began to talk about this old earth and this is kind of the way the story goes and that is when science began to talk about the fact that the universe began with a big bang and that there was a big bang about 15 billion years ago obviously when you read our scripture our scripture when you read the scripture literally without putting this gap theory into place which was the way the bible has always been read up till 18th century when you read the bible the bible talks about a young heart and by the way the bible talks about a round heart okay some people talk about flatter the bible didn't talk about the flatter but we'll leave that alone for today for now the bible talks about the young heart that the heart is just few thousands of years old but science then comes along in 18th century and began to tell us that the earth was very old, that, the, the, that, 18, that 15 billion years ago, obviously, this is science, that 15 billion years ago, that there was a big bang, and that the stars were formed about 10 billion years ago, and then the sun was formed about 5 billion years ago, and then the molten earth was formed about 4.5 billion years ago, so the earth must be about 4.5 billion years old, and that what was formed on the earth 3.5 billion years ago and then over millions of years after that life was formed from non-life and then there was evolution of life fish become amphibians i think we have become birds birds becomes mammals and mammals become apes and apes become men and that's the story obviously this story of science and geologies require billions and billions and millions and millions of years obviously the Bible didn't agree with that. So the origin of the gap theory was when people were trying to actually um, make the Bible fit into geology. Remember what I said at the beginning. I wish I could jump this, but there's a reason why it is important for me to go through this. It's because of the implication to the story. And I, I have to say quite a number of people that talk about gap theory oftentimes don't, are not thinking through the implication. Now, according to Weston Field in his book, Unformed and Unfilled, a critique of the gap theory, which was written in 1976, he told us that the first genuine statement of the gap theory was proposed in 1776 by a gentleman called J.C. Rosenmuller, and also in 1791 by a gentleman called J.A. Dutt. Now there was a professor of there was a professor of divinity. Now this professor has become very important in this story. There was a professor of divinity at the University of Edinburgh who popularized this gap theory, and his name is Thomas Chalmers. Now it is important for me to tell this story so that people know the origin of the gap theory. So Thomas Chalmers, a divinity professor at the University of Edinburgh, popularized the gap theory. His first lecture of, on it was in 1814, 1814. And this is what he said, and I'm going to quote. 
My opinion is that Genesis chapter, my opinion is that it, that is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, form no part of the first day, but refers to a period of indefinite antiquity when God created the world out of nothing. The commencement of the first day work I hold to be the moving of God's spirit upon the face of the water. We can allow geology the amplest time without infringing even on the literality of the mosaic record. And remember, listen to me, the people that proposed the gap theory, they were Christians. They believed God created the universe, okay? They were not Bing bang theorists. No, they believed God created the universe. But they were trying to reconcile what science said, and they were trying to reconcile it with the Bible. There's a gap in between. The problem oftentimes is that Christianity sometimes have often tried to answer scientific questions by creating gaps. And then when science then discovered that, no, no, um, there's a reason for this, then God seems to disappear. And all this effort that we often have to try to conform Christianity to science or to try to conform Christianity to seekers, seeker-friendly Bible, seeker-friendly interpretation of the scripture, they always end up in tears. And I'm going to come to that in a second. So you can see from what I see, I'm reading here that the basic reason why this theory, this ruin reconstruction or this gap theory began to happen is because people were trying to fit in the Bible with scientific and geological geological uh, you know, hypothesis of their days. And this was the origin of this theory. But furthermore, though, very popular Bibles also gave this theory a backing. The Schofield Reference Bible, which I read very well when I was as a Christian, the Dix Annotated Reference Bible, which I read, I still read these two reference Bible, and I don't have Schofield, but I have Dix. In fact, I have two Dix in my family, <laughs> two Dix Bible. So these books, this Bible are not terrible Bible. They are not bad Bible. I'm just saying that in their, um, in their commentary on the creation, they gave the gap theory a backing. And over the years also, we've had popular minister of the gospel, and I'm not going to mention names here, not just, not just um, you know, liberal Bible teachers. I'm talking about gospel ministers, including fundamentalists, evangelical, even charismatic teachers that have given credence to the gap theory. Remember what I'm saying. These are Christians. We cannot judge people's faith based on the gap theory, okay? They believe God created the universe, okay? They, they, they are not saying that the universe came out of Big Bang, okay? But they are saying that there is a gap between verse 1 of Genesis and verse 2 of Genesis. Now, this is the problem, though, because we need to try and understand what the gap theory is. The gap theory, or what we call ruin reconstruction theory, assumed that there was a vast age, a tremendous gap that is now being attested to by science that between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 there is this vast age just billions and billions and eons of age so that we can actually fit in what science was talking about into that period. Now this was the problem. What they are saying is that the earth and life was created before the creation week of Genesis. Now, very important. What they are saying is that not just that the earth was created, because you see the problem is this. 
science did not only say there was this billions of billions. Science is now coming with fossil findings of weird individual that apparently lived billions or millions and millions of years ago. So that means that we are not only saying that the earth was created before Genesis chapter one, but what we are saying also is that there was life before Adam, that there was pre-Adamic life. So the gap theory says that the universe, the heaven and the earth was originally created in the beginning, eons, ages ago, that life flourished for millions or billions of years, but that world grew to be evil, maybe just the earth, and God destroyed. That God destroyed, and then the earth becomes without form and void as a result of this destruction. Now, I'm going to come back and look at some of the way people have tried to justify it by using exegesis, especially the word and the earth become. And I'm going to hone in on that, but I perceive that will not be today. So the familiar since the creation, we are told by this gap theory, by this ruin reconstruction theory was just simply God recreating. God recreating, okay? That what we read in Genesis chapter 1 was not really God creating. That Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 did tell us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But that was billions and millions of years ago. And then there was this gap. And then what we see from verse 2 onwards was God recreating the universe really. And then we then have the few thousands of years that follow. So what God was doing according to this theory in Genesis chapter 1 is God recreating the universe upon the ruin and chaos of this former ancient world. And that what science is now discovering as fossil finding are just simply the remains of those worlds. Can you see where this is going? I could have treated this as non-essential. I could have moved on. I could have ignored it. But I couldn't because it was a compromised position on Genesis chapter 1. That the reason why this theory came in the first place is to accommodate what secularist geologists believe about the origin of life and the origin of material things. So essentially we are falling into the trap of trying to conform the Bible to the belief of secularist science. And that is always a slippery slope. But there is another big reason why it is important for me not to overcome this. And I have to say a lot of people that actually talk about the gap theory don't always think about these things. The, the primary reason why this is very dangerous is that it puts death and disease and fall and suffering before the fall. In other words, there was death. In other words, there was disease. In other words, there was suffering before Adam fell. And that is contrary to scripture. Again, like I said, we are going to circle back and talk about some of these things. Later. That is contrary to scripture. So the, the, the fundamental of the gap theory undermine the truth of the gospel. It undermined the revelation of the Bible at its very core. So if you put death and disease and suffering before Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says by sin came death. See, what are we trying to conform the Bible or the Bible to? We are trying to conform the Bible to this big bang 
evolution theory. Because at the heart of this old heart hypothesis is the fact that it was not God that created the universe, that the universe came out of Big Bang and life came out of evolution. That is what is at the heart of the whole heart hypothesis, and that is why what we are trying to confirm the Bible to. Yes, we are still trying to preserve the truth that God created it, but that is essentially what we are trying to do. And we need to understand that anyway, both Big Bang hypothesis and evolution theory are not even believed by honest scientists. Both of them have very big question mark hanging over them. Honest scientists who are not even Christian don't even believe that life came out of Big Bang. Many of them, there are a scientific reason to, dis to disprove that life could have come out of evolution. I don't have the, the time and I definitely don't have the, 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 the wherewithal, <laughs> the, the degree to be able to go into the details of this. But I can signpost you to people that are experts in the field that will tell you that life could not have evolved and that all these geological findings could be explained and that all these, you know, dating things that they are doing that could be explained. But that is what we are trying to confirm the Bible to. Fossils dating and characterization also have a very big question mark hanging over it. A lot of a lot of the fossils that are supposedly human beings have been proved to be false. Quite a number of the dating techniques have been proved to be false. And that is what we are trying to confirm the Bible with. Are we trying to interpret the Bible to suit this shifting and sinking sun? Are we? Oh, but somebody said, but listen, there are biblical evidence for the gap theory really are there? Are there biblical evidence? There are, you know, proof tests that people go to to try to prove that the gap theory has biblical evidence. Now, I'm not going to go into all that today, but I'm going to just read one scripture. I want to keep it simple because there's a scripture in the Bible that actually disproves all this. But next time, by the grace of God, we will continue looking at this point, because I believe it's important. Again, let me say this, and let me say it very clearly. People that talk about it, many people are honest. They are Christian. They are not saying that the, the, the world was created by Big Bang. They are not believing in evolution. They just take on this thing without really thinking about it. Okay. But let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. I think this scripture is the scripture I'm going to just read today. In, from the New American Standard Version, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made what? The heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. For that reason, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Can you see the problem here? The Bible says what? in six days. Now, it cannot be any, any clearer than this. The Bible says what? It was done in six days. That's what the Bible says, that this was done in six days. What was done in six days? The Bible says that for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. In six days, 
It didn't say in six days the Lord recreated the earth. Exodus chapter 20 verse 11. The Bible says in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. In other words, Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1, including verse 1, including verse 2, and all the verses in Genesis chapter 1 that talk about creation, the Bible says in those six days that the heavens, that the universe, that the galaxies, the stars, all those things that we've talked about in previous teaching, and the earth, the Bible says that for the Lord, for in six days the Lord made them. The, the Bible didn't say the Lord remade them or recreated them. The Bible says the Lord, yes, the sea and everything, but the Bible says the Lord made the heavens and the earth in six days. And we have to be very careful about this. It's always one of the temptations we have to want to fit in Christianity to popular belief, to scientific belief, so-called. You know, and, and that place is served out in various ways. We want to preach a seeker-friendly, you know, a worldly-friendly message. Don't misunderstand me. Like I said, most people that, that give their credence to this teaching definitely don't mean bad, but the truth is that it is, it is, it is, it is a teaching that is against the fundamental teaching. It's an anti-gospel teaching. It is a teaching against the revelation of the scripture. God has not called us to conform and to adapt the Bible to popular belief or to popular scientific belief. No, God has not called us to do that. The Bible is the Bible. When I, if I have to choose between the Bible and science, I will choose the Bible all the time. Okay? I will choose the Bible all the time. And we have to be like the Berean church. Remember what they did? They searched the scripture to see whether those, those things were so. It doesn't matter who preached it, who said it. We have to search the scripture every day and see whether those things are so. We cannot take, you cannot take my word for it. You cannot take the word of, of Schofield or Diggs for it or any preacher. You have to search the scripture and see whether those things were truly so. The Bible is the Bible. The Bible didn't talk about a gap between verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. There is no gap there. There cannot be any gap there. Sin and death did not predate Adam. There was no pre-Adamic creation. And we are going to talk a little bit more about this the next time by the grace of God because I believe this is very important. And if you are listening to me today, sin will destroy. Sin will kill. But God has provided a way out. Because of sin, this world is heading for hell. But the Lord Jesus has come to provide a way out for, for you to pay for your sin. He did it on the cross. And you have to accept it so that that payment can be applied to your situation. Raise your hand, call him and accept that you are a sinner, that you need his help. Ask him to come and help you and be your God and Savior. And he will. He will save you. He will make you a son and a daughter. And you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.